As you wandered the streets that night in the rain searching for a tavern, a small cottage comes into view. The cottage that Astra and Keth were given after the attack on Gamor over a year ago. The houses surrounding it are well kept. However, your cottage has fallen into disarray. The four of you, with Kurgle, rush inside to find the house that has been untouched. The house you inherited from strangers still sits mostly hinting at their life before the attack on Gamor. A few days pass and you wait to hear from the command on the trial, waiting for documentation and details on the charges against Finch. The third morning, Keth, you walk out of your bedroom. In the living area, Doroth and Felomir sleep on the old couches near a fireplace hosting dampened embers. You hear outside the streets have come alive again now that the storms have passed. You walk over to a window to peek outside and see Astra and Kurgle have gotten an early start working to cut back the unkempt yard. Felomir and Doroth at this point stir in their sleep at Keth's heavy footsteps across the wooden floor. You turn back to the window, Keth, to see a man has approached Astra and Kurgle carrying a sack of parchment in his hand. Outside, Astra, this Crimson Command courier speaks to you. He's dressed in very thin uniform and neat leather armor that is decorated with a midnight blue tabard. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm Inquisitor Angler, Josiah Angler, named for Apple Podcast reviewer Josh Fisher. Uh, Hi, Inquisitor Draskal sent me. Here are the reports and the indictment against Finch. He says you'll be hosting as Captain Cartwright's defense counsel. Uh, yes, thank you. And he gives you the parchments and begins to walk away. I will um, kind of look at Kurgle seriously and just kind of like do a head nod like towards the door and walk inside. There's a lot of papers there, Astra. It looks like we've got a lot of work to do. So you walk inside with the parchment and Doroth, Felomir, you're now waking up to this and Keth as well. You see Astra walk in with the indictment in hand. That's a lot of papers. <laughs> what is all that? I'll open, unfurl the parchment. It seems to be the indictment papers, and I'll hand them straight to Felomir. <laughs> oh, about time. Let's get this show on the road. And I'll just uh, sit down on the floor and unfurl all the papers and lay them out and start seeing what they got. Okay. So, yeah, within the pile of parchment, you do find all 16 charges against Finch. Some of them have, like, subcategories of the charges. So it does seem that the 26 counts, I think, High Inquisitor said he had against him have been kind of condensed into one charge for some of them. Mm. Um, But you also find that amongst the parchment, there is a schedule for when you will be meeting with the judges to kind of give your testimony, like an early testimony, and also just to talk to them. And will be seen today. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> uh, one of them is a Master Scout Rokar, and the other is the Sentry Captain of the Walls, Gortson. Captain Gortson is named after Apple Podcast reviewer Andrew Gortson. Hmm. You said Sentry Captain? Sentry Captain of the Walls. Wow. Finch did all of that? <laughs> He's been busy. Allegedly. Well, wait. What does that say there? Torture? That's what it says, yes. How do they even know about that? (laughs) Uh, Well, it appears we're meeting with these judges later today to go over the charges. It looks like we're meeting with uh, Lieutenant Gortson Gortson and uh, Rokar. I believe we've met him before, I think. It sounds familiar. Yes, one of um, Finch's scoutmates. Yes, I believe they went on their trial together. Wait, so 
all we have to do is convince that guy to not prosecute Finch? That should be easy, right? They're like brothers. Well, I don't know if we can convince just him, but that is a start, and hopefully the easiest to convince. I think it's in our best interest to try to convince all of them. Somehow. Let's get this over with. So it's the morning, so you all kind of prep some breakfast and get some energy in you for the day. Do y'all wish to take Kurgle with you? We're going to the command to meet with them? Yeah, you're going to the Crimson Hold to meet these two. So it says Master Scout Rokar will be in the mess hall to meet with you between dinners. Uh, the Sentry Captain of the Walls, Gortzen, you will be meeting in the gatehouse tower near the drawbridge. You know, perhaps it is best if we, if Kurgle, you'd stay here while we go to the keep. Yeah, we're reading all over over these indictments. I don't know that you should come with us. I mean, okay, I don't really want to go, so that makes sense. I feel like if I'm being hunted, they, I'd basically be going into the crab den, right? Yeah, but we're, we're not going to let them crack any crab legs anytime soon. So you can stay here. Just, just clean up the place. That's what I'll keep doing. Maybe lay low. Oh, you don't want me to go outside? You can Should go I, like, outside, lay? but don't be like... Don't walk outside and be like, hey, I'm Kurgle, the pirate of the seas. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the scourge of the seas. The scourge of the seas, I'm sorry. When you say lay low, do you want me to stay like below the windows? Oh, no, no, you, you don't have to do that. I oh, just okay. mean, you know, be careful. Just don't leave the yard. Okay, I can do that. I'll keep cutting some of this grass. All right, so the four of you head out uh, once it gets about closer to the time of your appointments and head towards the Crimson Hold. Finch, you have been stripped of all your possessions. You sit in a cold, damp stone cell. Some dirty hay is in a corner and there's a bucket in another. It has been a few days and you are being treated like any other prisoner. You are given meager meals three times a day and a rotation of guards seems to be completely unique. Each time a guard brings you a meal, it is a completely different person. Most of the guards treat you fairly. However, others have treated you a little bit more harshly banging on your cell door abruptly and slamming your food on the ground, leaving it a mess on the floor. The vibe is that many of these guards do not know why you are being imprisoned, but there may be others that have heard rumors on your charges. Today, though, something new happens. A few days after being arrested, the rain has stopped outside your barred window. The morning sun shines through the barred windows, and you tend to your ankles as the shackles attached to the wall have started to rub your skin raw. The cell door's latches begin to move, and without a knock or a banging, a guard opens the door. He has his hand on his hilt of his sword and looks into the cell to confirm where you are, then steps back and nods down the hallway. Another guard walks in carrying a small table and places it near the center of the room. As he walks out, another walks in with a single chair and places it at the table the opposite side of you, then leaves the room. There's a moment where you only see the guard standing to the side of the door at attention. And then High Inquisitor Draskal walks into the doorway carrying a plate of food and a glass of milk. His cape flows with every movement he makes. He places the plate down on the table along with his glass. He reaches up to his collar and unsnaps the chain holding the cape at his neck. He walks over to the open cell door and hangs it on the top corner of the cell door that has been left open with the guard standing at it. He walks back to the table, slides the chair out, and sits at his plate. He has olive skin and jet black hair. His face is soft, 
He does not appear to be a man of labor, but a man of quill and ink. He reeks of nobility, or at least an attempt at it. He looks down at his plate and then brings his eyes up to you as he pushes his long hair back behind his elven ears. Hello again, Captain Cartwright. Again, I am High Inquisitor Draskow, and I will be taking portions of your testimony today. Hello there, Draskow. Sounds good. He brings his hand up above his shoulder and snaps his fingers. A young cadet walks in and places a small stack of parchment to the right side of Draskow's plate, along with a quill and inkwell. Let's talk about what happened on your journey after disobeying direct orders to come to Gamor and going separate ways from Ezro outside of Somar. We will be getting full testimonies for all accounts, but to determine what questions we may have regarding this specific incident, I have a few opening questions. Was the Universal Library your destination? At, at which point? After splitting ways with Ezro. Uh, yeah, that was, that was our uh, end goal. All right. And what was the reason for your travels to the Universal Library? I was trying to collect all four of the orbs. So your assumption was that all four were there or? Well, no, as you know, we had some of the orbs already. So my assumption was that we might find the last one there. Oh, the last one. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And he's writing as you talk every moment. So there were no other reasons but an orb. So we also uh, were thinking there might be a book there that could be uh, important to the things going on around us and the orbs and the imbalance of Asus. Perhaps you've heard of it, the uh, the Book of Vorin? The Book of Vorin. You're searching for that as well? Uh, we just had the idea that there would be one of those books there, which could also be a reason why we might find our final orb there, following imbalances, you see. You say searching for the Book of Vorin. Um... The Book of Vorin is the prison that keeps Vorin at bay from Asus. You can see why it might be confusing why you would be searching for four powerful objects and the Book of Vorin. Also, there's... Do not tell him this. But... <laughs> well, don't, don't even say it. Don't no, even put it in my head. Never mind, never mind. Well, yes, we, we know it's a prison and we know it exists because we've actually had to stop a... Uh, a person named Velmir, and uh, some mind flayer that have been working with Vorn and Grix Solas to try and free him and amass an army to come to Asus. So, you know of the Book of Vorn based off of your enemies trying to find it, you're saying? Uh, no, they had it. They're trying to collect the orbs so that they can then use that energy to unlock the book to set Vorin free once again. Ah, so your testimony is that the enemy has a Book of Vorin, and we're trying to use the orbs to break the seal of the book to release Vorin. And now you collected all four orbs and went to the Universal Library for the fourth one and the book? What would be the purpose of getting the book and the orbs? Uh, the book, more or less, to keep it out of the wrong hands, I think. Uh... You know, I have felt it's been my mission this whole time to uh, bring peace and balance to Asus by collecting these orbs. And so when I see people trying to steal these orbs to also do terrible things with them, like open a book, if I think that I can, you know, keep the orbs safe, then I also think I can keep this book safe. So what made you think that the Book of Vorin is not safe already within the Universal Library? Uh, well, if you would have been at the Universal Library when we were you would have seen why it was certainly unsafe. That actually kind of leads me to my next question. Uh, did you and your vigilantes destroy 
the Universal Library Complex? No, we tried to stop it from being destroyed. Interesting. Okay. And what destroyed it? Um, I don't know what you call this monstrosity that we saw. It was some sort of... It was huge. Uh, it had spikes on it. It it had Crimson Command bodies on it over a year old just on its back. It was killing and then collecting the bodies and just attaching them, putting, putting them on his back. We did actually see that monstrosity you were referring to in my visit there three weeks ago when I, I went after we received a call from some, some scribes from the Universal Library. Good. Um, but that does not appear to be something that could have destroyed the, the Temple of Christoph Morningrise. Well, as you can imagine, fighting something like that is uh, not easy, you could say, at least, I think. And uh, one of my companions almost died, or almost died again. Uh, you see, we're not all just normal, everyday people. I myself am a descendant of Helltrone. Astra is a faded, uh, which you might know as a lesser guardian. Um, oh, one of your, you're saying that one of your companions is a lesser guardian? Yes, that's exactly what I just said. And uh, our one of our other friends, uh, how do you even explain? <laughs> exactly how you're doing it. Okay, okay. And, and I don't really even know how to explain it, but somehow Mestic can be brought out of him if he is brought to death. And so what happened was this collector of sorts uh, almost got all of us until it took down our friend Keth first, which was his ultimate demise. Um, but uh, when our friend dies and takes on this uh, personification, he it's more or less a blackout, and he will attack anything and everything around him, including us. Interesting. Um, you said Mestic? Yes. I will have to do some research on this spell known as Mastic. I'm not sure I know anything about that one. But um, is there anything else you wish to tell me about the Universal Library? Uh, when I did reach it to the Blue Orb, uh, there were already looked like recently deceased bodies there. I, I think that there was possibly a group that got there just before us. There was, and even when we teleported and first got there, there were bodies like right there, like... Uh, again, this collector had already destroyed a lot before we got there. One building was already on the ground. When I did uh, reach the orb, just out of nowhere, Velmir, this main bad guy that is trying to unlock this book of Vorin, was there and had over 10 to 20 shadow assassins there ready to take on all of us. And so uh, that also turned into a big fight for our lives. And this Velmir, um, you defeated him? Yes. Uh, yes, I did. Okay. And if you defeated him, I would assume that the Book of Vorin that he was looking to unlock with your orbs that you mentioned he had on him at some point, I believe, in my notes here that I was taking. What happened with the Book of Vorin? Uh, we have obtained the Book of Vorin, so it is no longer in the bad guy's hands, yes. I thought you were looking to receive the Book of Vorin from the Universal Library, but this is... Well, as you know, the... The Universal Library makes a copy of everything. So we didn't want another copy to be found by them because obviously they were looking for another book. So then you have two copies of the Book of Vorin? No, we were not able to retrieve the Book of Vorin from the Universal Library. But you have the one that... The one he originally had is in our possession, yes. 
interesting. Uh, this is new evidence that we will need to re review. Uh, thank you. Um, I think that's all the questions I have regarding the Universal Library today. We will be visiting again to go over some of your testimonies on some of these other charges and accounts. Sure. Sounds good. He stands up. And as he stands up, you realize that he also ate his entire plate during this entire conversation without ever having to mumble through food or anything. And he steps up, steps away, doesn't pick up anything and walks out the cell and the guards kind of collect all these things and exit. And then the final guard looks at you and closes the door and locks it. And also doing push-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Stay in shape. <laughs> The four of you head over to the Crimson Hold that afternoon. Kurgle stayed back at the cottage, one, to continue yard work, but two, the probably more importantly, not to cause additional problems as the once known scourge of the sea. You are led in to do some pre-trial interviews with the judges and potentially plead the case of Finch. Because of the time restraints and availability in their busy schedules, you basically are at the whim of their appointments. You head over to the main barracks. You are meeting with one of the judges there in the mess hall between meals. The four of you walk inside and over near the kitchen. There are three cooks prepping large quantities of food. You find a table and take a seat next to each other and wait. After about 10 minutes, you think this person might not show. They are for sure running late. But then the door opens and you see someone walk in. He looks familiar, and as you know, this is Master Scout Rokar. Dean, would you like to describe what Rokar now looks like after more than a year out in the field as the Master Scout of Solaria? Rokar is an Eldritch Knight, standing approximately five foot six inches tall, weighing in at 185 pounds. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's wearing a chainmail and uh, carries a spear and shield as his primary weapon and defense object. Same complexion as me, approximately. Peachy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Generally. Fuzzy little man, Peach. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, short brown hair. All right. Rokar, you walk over and sit down at the table in front of the four of them. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to say to you people. I'm appalled by all this. Appalled? Appalled, yes. By what specifically? I mean, I assume you've read the counts of the charges that are being brought against you. I've read them. I lived them. You lived them. Okay. Case closed, I guess. <laughs> Okay, so coming out a little bit hot, Rokar. All right, everyone. Yes, uh, and are these charges against us or against Finch? Well, based off what I've read, it seems as though you were all involved in it to some degree or another, while Finch is the one being held primary responsibility for all of this. I mean, you guys had a hand in it. So you're going off of what you've read and not what you've seen with your own eyes and heard with your own ears and touched with your own hands. Absolutely, that's how these trials always work. <sighs> Uh, well, you see, uh, Finch, as a member of the Crimson Command, as you you know, uh, is uh, here to abide by their laws and regulations on how to go through trial and everything. And I assume they had no reason or grounds to arrest us. So we're uh, representing him since we were there. Sure. I guess you can probably see where that maybe sounds a little questionable, that no charges will also be brought against you in the future. I'd question that because... Based off what I've read, the evidence I've seen, I'd be interested in pursuing charges against all of you. Well, if uh, charges are brought up, we'll be sure to defend them. But we're here now to speak of Finch. So what what can you tell me? I mean, 
Is there anything you can tell me in regards to all of these charges that would give me, I don't know, a, a hope, a speck, a glimmer that any of this didn't happen or that any of this wasn't painted in the correct light? Uh, well, uh, let me ask you this. How long have you known Finch? I've known him for two years. Uh, has he mentioned anything about these four orbs in your time knowing him? Yeah, he has. Uh Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I would assume something along the lines of he needs to collect them to protect Asus from some sort of impending doom. I think that's generally the idea, yes. Uh, and we all can attest that that is what he was doing. So the problem I have with that is that wrongdoings for the sake of good does not make them good. You can't simply break the law and expect that because your reasoning is good and that your hope for a positive outcome is good, that it's just okay to murder or to torture or to form a militia or to use Crimson Command monies to fund releasing a criminal from prison. Okay. A murderer, no less. And now, you brought up a specific point that I would like to uh, address. Using Crimson Command funds to free a known criminal. Yes. I'm curious as to where that information came from, apart from the indictment, because those were my personal funds. Your personal funds? Yes. From where did those personal come, funds come? Uh, are you familiar with a brand of bourbon whiskey? Called, <laughs> yes. Uh, called Vappy Panwinkle? I don't imbibe alcohol. Uh, well, it's a very renowned uh, brand of whiskey, allocated even. Um, it hadn't been made in quite a while, from my understanding. But we, whenever we ventured into Mithron, we found a bottle. And we ended up selling it for a substantial amount of gold. So during your travels to Mithron, Finch is acting as a representative of the Corinthian Command, correct? Yes. So I think it holds fair that any object he acquires during those travels, confiscates no less, should be reported to the Command. His decision to, or your as a group decision to sell his confiscations to fund the release of a murderer seems ill-advised at best and highly illegal at worst. I don't really see how it's illegal, and I don't know if confiscated is the proper word. Uh, we were in Mithron, as you know, has been under darkness for hundreds of years. This is where we found the bottle of Vapi in an abandoned tavern, uh, lost to time, essentially. So the bottle you found was... Abandoned, you would say. Yes. And you were able to sell that and acquire the funds to free a murderer from prison. Well, we acquired the bottle and sold it and split the funds evenly amongst all of us. And at the time of a Kurgle's arrest, uh, I chose to use a portion of it uh, to free her, which I believe uh, we were, if I recall correctly, on a ship at the time. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, the law of the seas. The law of the seas! <laughs> is that a thing? Because I work on a boat, so I don't know if y'all are just pulling this from your asses or what. Uh, ben, Benji, I think. <laughs> uh, pirates and merchants do abide by the lo the code of the seas. Uh, yes, and actually the person that arrested her, uh, Captain Wiley Kayo, uh, intended to uh, execute her. However, he said, according to these laws of the seas, uh, that she could be released if her, her crime was paid for with gold in this instance. And we paid it. Yes. Yes. And keep in mind, this captain, this, uh, this captain Wiley, uh, he is no slave trader. He's a simple merchant, uh, and and I trusted his judgment in the moment. And unfortunately, he is apparently no longer with us 
Uh, but if he were, I'm sure he would be able to vouch for us. Kurgle. What was your purpose for freeing Kurgle? She's my sister. Your sister. Yeah. And you are Kef? The Giant Slayer. Of course. Champion of Yin. Sure. Okay. I'm okay with rolling with all of that. I don't love it. So it doesn't sit well with me personally. But I know the Crimson Command tends to follow the rules of other countries or other sovereignties. So if you were simply following the code of the sea when you released this criminal from her holdings, I guess there's not much that can be said about that. Yeah, it's like Philly said, we paid off her debt. We paid her freedom. Yes, she was captured by Captain Wiley. He gave us the terms of her release and we met them. Obviously, I have other concerns though. You have a sheet. Your rap sheet's pretty long. Not you, I guess. Personally, I don't mean to offend, but Finch's rap sheet is pretty long. There's a lot going on here. Certainly. Uh, Is there anything specific you would like me to uh, 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 clear up for you? I'd like to know about the occupation in Dowlin Harbor. The occupation of Dowlin Harbor. Okay. Yes. So it's my understanding that in the wake of the turmoil that occurred in Dowlin Harbor, Finch set up a militia of sorts, which led to... uh, officials being elected without following the proper venues. Dowlin Harbor didn't have any guards there. Yes, we actually implored them to elect a, an official for their city um, because they didn't really seem to have any leadership and uh, any protection for their town. I mean... Uh, yes, Finch and myself actually uh, were the victims of an attempted mugging in Dowlin Harbor. What they did have was a bunch of doppelgangers. Yes, our, our friend here, Doroth, was abducted. Do you have that in your papers? Would that have happened if they had city officials working for them? Possibly abductions happen all the time. It's a terrible world. We oh, live cool. Well, so we there, could just sweep that under the rug. It doesn't matter. Okay. However, there was no one in town to report this to, to, uh, you know, um, prevent future attacks. So do you not see the dilemma that might be brought by having a city elect officials? The people of a city elect officials with an established militia not from that town? Well, I'm not exactly sure how they determined who would be the officials, but I assume they voted on them. I can tell you that the end result is that Dalren Harbor is now a safe haven for merchants who are casting taxes far too high on its people. They simply can't afford to live there. Uh, I don't know how true that is. We just passed through Dalren Harbor and the, it seemed to be prospering. There seem to be families at the tavern enjoying meals. Down in Harbor's got big walls now that they've uh, erected up, you know, to protect the city. That's because of us. I, I can't say that we were in any way directly responsible with how the city chose to develop after we left. We only suggested that they get some enforcements from the Crimson Command as they seem to be the protector, protectors of Asus and... What they did with their own government was up to them. So the Crimson Command that took hold in Dowern Harbor came from Yen, correct? Yeah, I'm the champion of Yen. That's where they came You're from. You're the champion of Yen. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, uh, Finch sent for his recruits from Yen to come assist Dowern Harbor with their construction of the local government. Yeah, he even trained them himself. As I'm sure you'll, you're all aware, Andrin is a place where the Crimson Command has a stronghold. The proper channel for this to have occurred is that a scout should have been sent and a vanguard should have been returned to handle all of this. 
so that we wouldn't find ourselves in the situation we're in now, wherein merchants are prospering, pinching and grabbing at all the gold they can while the people suffer. Wait, are you saying so the, the Crimson Command of Andrin would have uh, prevented that or something? That's the idea, yes. Well, from what I understood, Finch sent for a, a scout to come inspect Dowlin Harbor. And I, you know, I'm not familiar with the proper channels of Andrin and the Crimson Command, uh, but I assume he went through them correctly. I mean, were we expected to stick around and help them form their own government when we ourselves are not Crimson Command members and don't know the proper channels? No. I think just from that statement alone, it should be obvious that that was not your responsibility. Finch's responsibility was to reach out through the proper channels, and he didn't do such. Well, I believe he did. He called for a scout to come investigate. The wrong scout. Well, I believe that's the scout's fault, not Finch's. Yes. Um. Why is this being held on Finch and not the scouts who arrived uh, as reinforcements? Is it not in their hands that the city has gone terribly wrong? As I think it's fair to assume that the court will decide this one. Certainly. What else can you present to enlighten me? What else do you want to know? Truthfully, I'd like to know everything, but I have a feeling I won't get that from you lot. I mean, I feel like we've been pretty straightforward with you so far. Um, I, if, if you have a direct question, I'll be happy to answer it. I'd like a little more information on your count 10, the murder of Chadwick Gate. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I nudge. Gav. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, the murder of, uh, Chadwick, yes. So why, why did Finch murder him? Why was he attacking Finch? Uh, well, I believe in the indictment it doesn't say anything about us getting attacked by Chadwick initially. Can you explain to me why the autopsy revealed that Finch had a hand in it? Well, Finch had a hand in his death, but I wouldn't call it a murder. We were attacked on the road by Chadwick. Yes, we were, in fact, being followed by him for quite a while, and we had no idea who this, what seemed like a shadow assassin person was is quite literally hiding in the shadows and came to <laughs> attack us and we defended ourselves. You know what that is? It's called stalking and it's illegal. Yes, ever since we landed in Clanport uh, on our way to Chandelin, uh, all the Crimson Command outposts we came across had uh, all of the uh, scouts murdered. Uh, so we assumed when we got attacked that this was the murderer attempting to kill Finch. So we fought back. So based off the autopsy, he was attacked as he was retreating. Are you all aware that this is against the laws of the Crimson Command? It's considered a war crime. So any, any common thug, if they were to shoot Astra in the head and we chased them and killed them, it would be illegal because they were running away? Is that you, what you're trying to say Your responsibility would be to capture them, not murder them. As we have established laws throughout the land, it is no longer left up to the individual to be judge, jury, and executioner, hence we, why we're on this trial now. But he was he was attacking us. So if we try to capture him, he would have tried to kill us. We killed him first. I think it's fair to assume that if he was retreating, you could have had the means to capture him. We tried. Did we try? No. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. The he could autopsy have been repositioning. finds, no, you didn't try. 
No bolas or anything like that. What's an autopsy? We don't have a bola. You could, though. They're well, cheap. What? You just go buy them from any merchant. What do I need weapons, a bola a for? A weapons dealer. That's two balls on a string. You just need it. At some. No, I know what it is. You throw it at somebody, binds their feet, trips them, then you can... Why would I have that? I, why wouldn't Finch? It's not standard issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why wasn't it issued to him? My suggestion is not strictly that Finn should have used his Crimson Command issued bolas. He should have found a way to capture the attacker without killing him. It's not his decision to decide who lives and who dies. Well, in the moment, our options were to allow this Crimson Command murderer to go free or attempt to stop him, and we chose the first. I think this is yet another issue we will have to leave to the courts to decide. Look, Rokart, can I Can I just... I, I know we may have gotten off on the wrong foot here, but you know Finch. We all know Finch. He would never do anything with bad intentions in mind. Bad things just happen. Yeah, he's the best, best man that I know. Bad things just happen sounds like a poor excuse for what's on this paper. Sounds like a very poor excuse. Because this, this is a trend. This isn't simply bad things happening. This is a trend of bad things happening. So are you telling me, now I don't mean to offend, I, I, I don't know you, I don't know anything that you've done, but you're saying that if I was, was just following you around during your life and adventures with a microscope just watching for every wrongdoing you do, and I put them all on a sheet of paper and I said, this is you, that would be fair to you? Yeah, that's justice. Very well. I guess we'll let the courts decide. So the four of you then exit the mess hall and head over to the gatehouse tower near the drawbridge entrance. A guard there stops you briefly, asking what your business is, and then lets you inside for your appointment. Another guard guides you up a couple floors of the tower before ending at a closed door. The door has a nameplate on it, and it says Captain Gortson, named after Apple podcast reviewer Andrew Gortson. I believe I already said that, though. You knock and are greeted from the other side with a voice telling you to... Come in. I guess we should go in. I guess so. I'll open the door. You open the door and you all see a half-orc man with gray-blue skin. He has a flat-top military cut of graying black hair. He's slim for a half-orc, but still very fit. And he says, Ah, oh, you're the defense counsel for Finch, I hear, huh? Uh, indeed, and you are Lieutenant Go Gozen? Sentry Captain, the wall's Gortson. Ah, oh, Gortson, Gortson. Gortson. It's yes. nice to meet you, Gortson. I'm Keth, the giant slayer. Well, it appears there's a, a, of you. a typo in this indictment. Uh, you're listed as a lieutenant. My apologies. Oh, that was probably a lieutenant at the time, maybe. I don't know. But congratulations. Either way, Captain Gortson, a pleasure. Yes, Captain Gortson. I became captain after the attack on Gamor. Maybe that's what the indictment says. Maybe. <laughs> but anyways, I believe you wanted to talk to me about the indictment and everything. What's What is you, what is it you wanted to ask? Well, we were told to meet you here at this time to discuss. Uh, I wasn't sure if you had something you were uh, trying to ask us about, or... No, I mean, uh, I read through the indictment a little briefly. I know the court, the court case is coming up in a month, so I haven't quite read it all in full detail yet. There are some things that seem a little questionable for me. What stands out to you? Well, as the lieutenant at the time of the attack of Gamor, Count 2 really, kind of, all of Count 2 is pretty rough on him. I... Impersonating the guard, 
uh, abandoning the post of Gamora when we were under siege, and taking a magical artifact into the basically the hands of the enemy. I can't say that that really helped us at the time of the attack. Seems a little reckless, as, well, Count 2C says, reckless endangerment. So you were there for the attack. We've, we've established that. You saw all the chaos and uncertainty. It was quite chaotic and sounds damn near terrifying inside that darkness, all those people. Yeah, he could tell you all about it as I motion over to Doroth. Yeah, did you, do you, do you remember seeing me strung up screaming for my life? No, I didn't see you strung up screaming for your life. Well, I, I was. I was on the walls looking down into the darkness. I was at my post, which is, you know, what my job was, which is why I didn't abandon my post. I, I feel that if you were actually down there in the darkness fighting, I wouldn't call that abandoning your post. You'd be fighting and defending the, the city that you love. And I, I just think it'd be honorable whether you were at your literal post or not. You're still there. But that's why we have the Vanguard. Finch was not part of the Vanguard and I believe still isn't. So you're telling me Finch was the only person that abandoned his post to fight? The, the rest of the Crimson Command stayed at their post like cowards, waiting? I'm sorry, Keth. Are you calling me a coward for doing my duty by defending the walls of the keep? Did you defend anything? During a siege, you stand on the walls to have- So you stood there while the city was besieged, while we tried to defend this city. I'm not sure what you're getting at, Orc. I'm not sure what you're getting at, Orc. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> all right, let's settle down here. You ain't even a whole Orc. <laughs> <laughs> Neither are you. <laughs> You're half the work that I also am. <laughs> You're the other half of me. <laughs> are they even insulting each other anymore? <laughs> Sounds like they're related. They just found are out they're brother? brothers. <laughs> half brothers, maybe. Boy, do you my cousin? What's Ghost and spelled backwards? Upside down. Kath, <laughs> I don't come from our lands. I was born here on Solaria. And in this civilized area... Are you calling my lands uncivilized? I'm calling our lands uncivilized. Kath starts fuming at this point and just kind of... You know. You know that those tribes fight each other without law, without code. We have codes. If you lived there, you would understand the codes. We defend our people. We defended just like we defended your people while you sat upon the walls. You say you defended our people, but you went into and got and fought. And if I remember correctly, looking down from the drawbridge, Finch himself was captured. And then we gave up the two magical orbs for his return. That was no defense. That was reckless. No organization. Just blind rage. Well, to be fair, it did end the threat. And we recovered the orbs. That is true. They did leave as soon as they got the orbs. And uh, us and, and Finch personally recovered them. I've heard that you have collected all four orbs, but still, at the time, it seemed quite unnecessary to put the entire keep in that sort of danger. Well, I would say it was a net gain based on what they would have done if we had not given them the orbs. And I would also argue that the command itself saw no fault in Finch's actions for immediately promoting him after his recruitment. That was High Captain Gates' decision. I actually voted against it, but... Either way, the law still stands. The law does still stand. And a High Captain is above you, so... 
I'll tell you this. If I had one of my sentries on the walls abandon his post like that, it would have been imprisonment for 10 years. 10 years? Says the code. Says the law of the Crimson Command. That's pretty harsh. That seems like a, a, a talking to, maybe. Abandoning your post? Abandoning your, your fellow comrades? There was no abandonment. He defended the city. He eliminated the threat. I understand that y'all see it that way, but we were down another man. If they would have attacked the city, we would have been down another person. He went on an unapproved mission into the darkness of the city. They did attack the city, though. How many civilians were strung up just like Dorth here? Kath, let me ask you this. In war, when you're fighting a hundred versus a hundred, if one person rushes forward to attack a hundred people while no command was issued to do so, and let's say that a couple others see this, this quote-unquote courageous act and chase after while leaving leadership completely dumbfounded by the situation, the strategy. Now you have maybe 20 people fighting 100, and they immediately die maybe taking two or three with them. Now that whole situation has turned against our side. It's now 98 against 80. You're comparing apples to pineapples. Courage does not create leadership. Courage can create disorder. You're comparing a war. This was not a war. This was a siege. Siege is war, Kath. Well, all right. How about this? What is a quality of a good leader? I would say good decision-making would be one. I would agree. And although Finch made a decision to abandon his post at the time and venture out into the darkness to attempt to alleviate the threat, he succeeded. And that is someone who I would want to be in charge, which is why I assume he was put in charge after his recruitment. As I said, I didn't vote for it, but yes, that is why High Captain Gate gave him the Master Scout of Asus, sending him on the quest for the orbs. Neither here nor there that does not defend against abandoning your post. How many more lives would have been lost if he had sat on his post? They left because he gave them the orbs. They left because he got captured and then y'all stole an orb they already had, came back with two, and then gave the two for Finch's life. We can't play what ifs in the courtroom. That is not the facts. That is not what we're trying to defend. We're trying to defend his actions for abandoning his post. Now, if you're saying that is for the magical orbs, well, he didn't collect them really. He did eventually. But in the act and time of abandoning his post, that was not getting the orbs. But the act saved your city. I'm not going to get anywhere with that one. It does not make sense to me that one person going in without knowing that it was going to save the city would save the city. It was strictly abandoning his post. The other one that I quite am curious about is pretty much everything that happened in Port Greasel. It kind of goes alongside with uh, his disorder here in Gamor. He started an insurrection. He caused some job displacement, and there's some arson charges against him from Governor Buka. We didn't do that. What? What is this arson you speak of? Um, it says here that uh, Governor Buka reports that the only known suspects to the potential murder of Vilko League and Lua uh, via arson on Lua's home was the four, the five of you. We were just as surprised as everyone else to find out about that. We didn't have anything to do with that. Yeah, do you have any proof? 
Yeah, what evidence is there that, that we did you, any of that? I Just, have no evidence. I am simply a judge. I'm here to judge what is put on trial. That's hearsay overruled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what he said. Kath, we are not currently in court. Sorry, I've been I've been watching some court uh, court interactions and in, and in, uh, you know, the cities we've been to. If that is hearsay, I think the charge is there strictly in case uh, Port Greasel needs to be compensated somehow or wishes to do justice against Captain Cartwright. So, the only proof or whatever you would call it is the word of this this Buka. Governor Buka, yes. So why don't we just have him come in? I believe Governor Buka will be at the trial. Okay, perfect. Because I would really love to know how he thinks we had anything to do with this. I mean, y'all show up. There's an insurrection. Problems all over the island, it sounds like. And then y'all leave without those problems really being addressed. So are you saying that it was the job of Finch to address those problems? Uh, if he is a scout for the Crimson Command and he is looking to maintain balance in areas that he scouts, then yes, it would be his job. We we came to Port Greasel because there was an imbalance and we investigated. And we solved it, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I believe we did. There was a, a lesser guardian there named Delaro. In cahoots with Needles and Watts, if I recall correctly. Well, that doesn't seem to be a part of this indictment at all. Uh, yes, briefed that, on that at all. Uh, yes, there. Uh, you're familiar with uh, CFH, I presume, are you? I mean, it's listed in Count 6B. They're a company called Constructs for Hire. Uh, yes, they were constructing these constructs uh, in Laron, and they were using gems powered with the souls of the dead to do so. That sounds quite terrible. Uh, yes, and I believe they were in uh, in league with the lesser guardian of the area named Delaro, uh, who was some sort of powerful necromancer who was providing them with these souls. And But how does that defend against an insurrection and job displacement and arson? Okay, well, the job displacement, uh, that's, that's not what we intended. Um, we simply were investigating and the people that helped us get the information that we needed um, to solve the problems that were at Port Greasel um, were fired from their jobs. And we didn't intend that for happen. However, it <laughs> wasn't a great company to work for as they had a necromancer stealing souls and putting them into constructs. Yeah, that does sound like a pretty terrible company to work for. But are you saying that y'all did indeed cause job displacement? Well, I wouldn't say we caused the job displacement. We asked for assistance from employees, and apparently it was against the company policy, so they were fired. We don't know the company policy. Uh, that I mean, you could argue that it could potentially be immoral if we knew what we were doing, which we didn't, but I wouldn't call it illegal. I think that's fair. And as far as the arson goes, I don't really see any implication here. I mean, there was an insurrection. There were fires all over the port. Uh, these unfortunate souls were unfortunately... Uh, caught up in the fire, but... Yeah, I think, uh, I'm pretty sure the charge is only listed only because it is being called for by Governor Buka, who is the sovereign leader of that area at this time. Yes, in order for Finch to be charged of arson, there would need to be some sort of evidence that he'd started a fire, I believe. Well, I think there's some questions for the lead suspects, which are you all, so that's why it's listed, I guess. I'm not sure. As I said, I am not the prosecution. I am simply a judge, and I will 
make my judgment at the time of court. Um, but a long side kind of abandoning your post, there is treason listed in here. And um, as a captain of the centuries, I'm keen to question how one of our keeps could be destroyed in Chandelin, if not some sort of treachery. Are you talking about the one that tried to eat us? Yeah, first of all, that was not a keep. That was a mimic. I'm sorry, I've been to that keep before. It is indeed a keep. Yes, well, when we arrived there, it was a little different. The whole building was a mimic? Yes, it tried to eat us. <laughs> it did. There was stomach acid everywhere. I don't believe it. You're all going to jail. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you believe it, honestly? Uh, yes, the uh, the Crimson Keep in Chandelin, yes. Uh, shortly after we arrived there, uh, we were going to meet with uh, a, a former fellow command member. Uh, I believe Bryn Talith was his name. Uh, he sent word to Finch that he had found an orb. The Master Scout of Lunali, I hear he has passed. Yes. Yes, he passed in the keep. Uh, it was some sort of trap, we assume. Uh, we showed up uh, under the assumption that Bryn Talith had found an orb, and we were going to retrieve it. And once we arrived, uh, as my companion said, the whole building seemed to come alive and attempt to eat us. And we did fortunately make it out, uh, but were subsequently attacked by uh, a mind flayer who we believe is working with Vorin. So this was the same kind of darkness that Gamora was under attack. Yes. Uh, and we have seen this mind flayer before with Velmir, the culprit of the attack on Gamora. I mean, sounds fair to me. That if that That's how it really all happened. I'm guessing they may have some more enlightening evidence for the time of the court. I am not sure. But yes. it, we, we assume they were trying to lure us there in an attempt to reacquire the two orbs that we had taken from them in Mithron. Interesting. Well, I think that's really all the questions I have. Um, I do have some more things to attend to today, so... Thanks for meeting with us. I like you a whole lot more than the other guy. Who did you meet before? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you right now, Brian Pruce is a hard one, so be careful. Do our best, I guess. Uh, thank you for your time, Captain Goatson. Gortson. Gortson. <laughs> thank you for your time, Captain Gortson. Yes, thank you. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that does not appear to be something that could have destroyed the the temple of Kristoff Morningrise. Oh, yes. Well, um... <laughs> <laughs> is that chuckle in character or what? 